Welcome to another news. I'm Jeff Brady. Today we continue the conversation on the effects of frequency on living things and the healing effects of frequency with John Hutchison's wife, Nancy Hutchison. But first, let's look at some of the stories in other news. Here's one on the Activist Post by Reddy Ananda. FDA sued over lack of nanotech oversight labels. And we talk about nanoparticles and nanotechnology quite a bit in regard to geoengineering on the, on the show. But here it is. The first ever lawsuit concerning risks of nanotechnology was filed in federal court last month when several groups jointly sued the U.S. FDA for its lack of response to a 2006 petition demanding that products with nanomaterials be labeled and their effects tested for safety. Once again, it reminds you of the genetically modified organisms or genetically modified food. Led by the International Center for Technology Assessment, plaintiffs also include Friends of the Earth, Food and Water Watch, the Center for Environmental Health, the ETC Group, and the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. Based on the scientific literature so far, several hundred products should be recalled due to their toxicity to lab animals and bacteria. Much of the 2011 complaint argues that because nanomaterials are patented and exhibit novel characteristics unique to their size, they clearly represent new substances requiring regulation and safety tests. Now check this out here, very important. Nanotechnology is the science of manipulating materials on an atomic or molecular scale measured in billionths of a meter. Nanotech-engineered materials are used in food, cosmetics, including toothpaste and sunscreen, drugs, fertilizers, and home cleaning products with little regulation in the United States. They are found in ice cream and the coating sprayed on fruits and vegetables and even line bottles and cans, reported Andrew Schneider in his 2010 expose on the, on the subject. Nanotech-engineered materials are also used in industry processes and military applications, including drones, combat gear, miniature surveillance devices. If you look up smart dust online, you will see how these are weapons platforms. Smart dust essentially coats an environment, and a radar image can see everything moving around. This is now in our food, and we're breathing it in, and the FDA will not respond to demands that products with these materials in it be labeled and tested for safety. And here's another story. The 10 inventions of Nikola Tesla that changed the world. Number one, alternating current. This is where it all began and what ultimately caused a, such a stir at the 1893 World's Expo in Chicago. Number two, light. Of course, he didn't invent light himself, but he did invent how light can be harnessed and distributed. Number three, x-rays. Electromagnetic and ionizing radiation was heavily researched in the 1800s, but Tesla researched the entire gamut. Number four, radio. Guglielmo Marconi was initially credited, but and most believe him to be the inventor of radio to this day. However, the Supreme Court overturned Marconi's patent in 1943 when it was proven that Tesla invented the radio years previous to Marconi. Number five, remote control. This invention was a natural outcropping of radio. Number six, the electric motor. Number seven, robotics. Number eight, the laser. 
9 in 10 wireless communication, and limitless free energy. These are two inextricably linked as they were the last straw for the power elite. What good is energy if it can't be metered in control? Free? Never. J.P. Morgan backed Tesla with $150,000 to build a tower that would use the natural frequencies of our universe to transmit data, including a wide range of information communicated through images, voice messages, and text. This represented the world's first wireless communications, but it also meant that aside from the cost of the tower itself, the universe was filled with free energy that could be u- utilized to form a worldwide web connecting all people in all places, as well as allowing people to harness the free energy around them. Essentially, the zeros and ones of the universe are embedded in the fabric of existence for each of us to access as needed. Nikola Tesla was dedicated to empowering the individual to receive and transmit this data virtually free of charge. But we know the ending of that story. Tesla had perhaps thousands of other ideas and inventions that remain unreleased. A look at his hundreds of patents show a glimpse of the scope he intended to offer. If you feel that the additional technical and scientific research of Nikola Tesla should be revealed for public scrutiny and discussion instead of suppressed by big industry and even our supposed institutions of higher education, please sign this petition to demand that power brokers everywhere learn that we are ready to occupy energy and learn what our universe really has to offer. That's on the Activist Post by Nicholas West, The Ten Inventions of Nikola Tesla that changed the world. Well, we continue the discussion on frequency healing with John Hutchinson's wife, Nancy Hutchinson. She worked with John developing the field patterns to use as an audible frequency in healing the chemical destruction of the Gulf of Mexico. The work demands a closer look at the physics of using frequency and its effect down to the cellular level and into affecting the life code of DNA. Early last year on this show, we discussed the effects of electromagnetic weapons and technology on day-to-day human physiology, and then just scratched the surface on how technology that produces and amplifies frequency affects our mind, our bodies, and maybe soul. Nancy has a natural understanding of field patterns and healing frequency and shares her experiences of what happened when she and her husband were at the Gulf of Mexico. She's hosted a cable TV show for many years and produced her own show. Nancy, welcome to Another News. Thank you for having me. I wanted to talk with you, bring listeners uh, this information and your experiences uh, with your husband, John, at the Gulf of Mexico when you were using frequency generators to heal, essentially, the damage that was caused chemically in the Gulf of Mexico by BP. Nancy, why did you choose this particular system? I had John visiting with me a couple years ago. We were building his crystal power cells, and John has built crystals um, under different conditions, um, grown crystals, so we were looking at um, and doing, growing these crystal power cells using different audio signals, basically having them on a speaker and sending signals in and looking at what happens to the crystalline structure. 
I got into the solfagio. I also pronounce it solfigio. They're the tones that have been used for eons. The Gregorian chants are based upon them. The domes in the cathedrals are actually created so that they'll reverb these certain tones back to the congregation. Uh, we are looking at some of these basic fundamental concepts and what would happen if we introduce that into the crystalline structure of the power cells that we're building. Then John bugged out to uh, his place, his lab in New Westminster. It'll be uh, two years ago this May. He left right, right when the BP oil disaster began. I have an interesting relationship with John. We, we have a, a, I guess the easiest way is a psychic connection to say that. We would dream the same dreams and be in different cities. And How often does that happen? Well, it happened all the time. That's when John and I first started talking on the phone was because someone I was dating wanted me to contact John about the crystal power cells because he had a contact with... Um, a quartz mine, and since quartz is cut and used for frequencies, you know, they, they use quartz all over the place, he was wondering if these particular quartz crystals would be something that would be beneficial for the development of the crystal power cells. So he gotten, mm. he'd gotten us these crystals, these quartz crystals from Madagascar. John had some of them, I had some of them. We were on the phone. And we, we each put a crystal up onto our foreheads and just started, like, concentrating on it. And uh, about 10 feet away from me in my kitchen, the tempered glass cover for one of my fry pans was in the sink, and it, I heard this cracking noise, and it, it shattered inside of my sh- right inside of the, while we were doing this. You deduct that it was directly related. Well, it it was just sitting there in the sink, and then John and I did this process, and I think there was a a connection, using the crystals to transmit, and I think this might have been a part of what was going on. Fascinating. Um, But so, anyway, John and I would have, we'd go to sleep, we'd talk the next day, and he'd say, oh, what did you dream about? And so I'd start talking to him about it, and we had the same dream, and we'd go through the whole thing. This has happened repeatedly. There were incidences where I could see through his eyes. When I'm talking to him on the phone, I could see what he's looking at, just describing, you know, what he was looking at. Well, Nancy, that definitely sounds like a psychic connection to me. Uh, How did this develop into working uh, with the frequency then? Well, so he came here, visited for a year, had to go back to Canada because of the six-month thing, back-and-forth thing, then came back again, and then he went back after being here basically for a year, other than the, the trip back he had to go. That's Minnesota, right? Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And went back, and I had gotten a vision, if you want to call it that. It's so, it's so, you know, the, 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 the English language is so inadequate in describing this. But I saw what was going on. I saw what was, was, was happening in the long-term effects of what was happening. And I was pretty frantic about it. And In the Gulf of I, Mexico? Yep. Mm-hmm. And actually what, how it was going to affect us more than just the Gulf of Mexico. Our plan was just to go. I borrowed a pickup and a trailer and uh, went out to see John. I wasn't allowed into Canada to start with because they said I was a tramp. 
literally. I mean, this is... You're I mean, kidding me. Nope. And I, and I met someone at the border that, you know, a lot of people talk about clones and um, aliens and those type of, of people. And I met someone at the, the border that um, I don't believe was human. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, it's, the Canadian-American border is very harsh. No, the, the person could not communicate with me. You mean you they, didn't he, detect a soul? Oh, I no soul. Okay, gotcha. And and, and I think it's that's that's one of the uh, things I wanted to get into later on is is detecting the the light in people's eyes and actually seeing their soul. This person was just like reading a script to me, and then would say, "Do you understand?" And I'd say, "No, I don't. How do I solve this? What do I need to do?" And then he'd just read the script again. Do you understand? And I mean, it was literally like this was a robot. Then. Uh, a woman officer heard what was going on and came over and actually communicated with me. And the guy stood there just as a statue, literally, just as a statue. I thought, well, is this person human? I don't think this is person's human. Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, it's, a, it's amazing sometimes when uh, people are in positions where all they do is follow orders and they turn into robots and, yeah, lose the essence of being human. Right. Or whether this person was even human to start with. So it was, it was the most bizarre experience. Like, you know, usually, you know, I can I connect with somebody. And this person was absolutely, like, his eyes were glazed. So anyway, um, eventually I did get into Canada. I had to leave the trailer. And I started working with John on organizing the lab because our plan was to bring equipment back to Minnesota and to do those you know, advancements in his um, technology in Minnesota with the crystal power cells. But the Gulf was raging with the disaster. I got a hold of some people, and they sent up some um, samples from the Gulf that actually had like a tar ball and oil in it. We had four quarts of that sent up, and we did some different testing on it. Part of what we used was these uh, sulfagia tones. And before we did any type of work on it, opened it up, smelled it, we just about fell over from the fumes on, on this jar, uh, had to open up all the, the windows. It was just really bad. Um, poured it out and put um, leads on it from a oscilloscope and took a reading. And we had taken readings of Pacific seawater and tap water, and the tap, tap water and the Pacific seawater was real similar and how it read on the oscilloscope. So we put this into the water from the Gulf of Mexico, and it was, it was off the, the scale on the oscilloscope. We had to change the whole scale on it. It was so different from what the water, the normal water looks like. Mm. People say everything is frequency. Actually, what we observe is what we call frequency. Everything is vibrating. When we look at those vibrations, we, the reading that we take is called frequency. So the frequency that we were getting off of the water was was not water frequency, it was something else. And so then we um, did this process where we took the audio tones and we took different audio tones from um, what we now run as a 14-track audio, but we were taking these individually in John's lab and watching the reaction of the water when we did these different tones just to kind of see what it reacted the most to. And then at the end of that, um, took all the waters and put them all out 
and they're all identical in the their readings. Oh, the oh, that's interesting. Yep. The ocean and uh, and the Gulf. Okay, gotcha. Everything um, was identical reading on the oscilloscope. So, Nancy, let me ask you briefly: uh, Did you use the the pattern, the original pattern of normal water? Uh, the baseline was the Pacific Ocean and tap water. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So with that, now John's got nine tons of equipment in a 400 square foot apartment. And what? what do we do? Yeah, nine tons of equipment is what we figured it was. <laughs> three layers from the wall to where you could walk were three layers of equipment. So then it was a big, huge process of categorizing everything and. Um, he started selling things on eBay, and I said, why don't you just sell the anti-gravity portion of this? Because he didn't want to do anti-gravity anymore. Mm, too bad. John's MO, John's public image has been of this mad scientist that, you know, looks, he's in a little lab someplace full of all this equipment you can't get through, and he, he noodles around on equipment and makes stuff levitate. Mm-hmm. And that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, the public image of who he is. And um, there's so much more to who John is. One, one of the things that people don't understand is that he had a huge lab that was taken by the Canadian government. I mean a huge lab, 20 tons. He rebuilt Tesla's lab. That's where he started doing the anti-gravity. Once that was taken, he had the small apartment that he started to bring in equipment. And he replicated the anti-gravity using totally different equipment. Oh, that's so remarkable. Nancy, we're digressing a little bit. So he sold some equipment, some of the anti-gravity material? Right, sold the equipment. Then we, um, we got containers and we packed up the equipment we weren't going to use. We, we decided to go to the Gulf. We decided to try to do what he did in the lab um, down on the Gulf. I really commend you guys on doing this, but go ahead. I was supposed to be gone for three weeks. I got back 11 months later. I had borrowed somebody's pickup truck and someone else's trailer, said I'd be back in three weeks. And these these two individuals um, were so generous and just allowed me to keep their stuff. You, wait, you come out of Canada, pick up the trailer? Um, yeah, I had, to, I had to go and get the trailer, then load up. Um, the, the, and as, as we started to load up, the, the truck breaks down. So then I had to get the truck fixed. So you eventually make it down to the Gulf. Yeah, had a tire blowout on the way down the mountains and almost lost everything. I mean, we had quite a process to get to the Gulf. So we get down to the Gulf, and, you know, equipment just was flying, had flown all over the place inside of the, the trailer. We found a um, KOA campground and a private property. The person didn't believe all the the rhetoric that was being said to them about this dispersant that had sunk the oil, and people were sick. The owner's son was even very sick and said, would you, you know, come down here? And and so we went under the cover story, because they had people there, that we were signaling the aliens, because it makes a lot of noise. And so the people camping there thought we were signaling aliens. Had, that was your cover story? Yep. All right, continue. Then we had all the campers come and wanted to tell us all their UFO stories, so that was, you know, okay. That's kind of fun. Yeah, they're all sitting on the shores waiting for the aliens to come in. And the owner had gotten the water right there where we were doing the, the treatment to a lab in Mobile, Alabama. 
and that was tested, and it was at seven parts per million oil contamination, suspended. You couldn't see it. It wasn't slicking up on the top. This is what this dispersant did. And when you're at one part per million, you're contaminated. This was at seven. It's ambient so is, in the water. Yep, bended in the water. Mm-hmm. The, the water was this mucky brown, which actually it had been for decades because of some paper mill that was shut down, but it was still affecting the water in the bay. It was like a back bay. This is a back bay um, that we're at. And it kind of like was settling all the contaminants and stuff were in this area. We did the test. We worked on it for two days, set up on a picnic table, and um, had an oscilloscope with floating, with the leads floating and watching what was going on. And there it was, the resonance. I was so excited because the, the water was resonating back what we were sending to it. In two days of treatment, uh, the water absolutely cleared. It was clear, It was like crystal clear. Dolphins came in, fish and everything came in. We pulled a test. There was no detection. They could not detect any oil in, in the water. Uh, in, in that particular region where you were? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know your best guess on how far it may have reached out? My best guess had to do with I was tr- looking at NOAA with their currents in the Gulf of Mexico. The, the loop current stalled and disconnected in July. We got in there in, uh, in October. And so I was watching this, and there's the, the day after um, we started this, a small current started right along the shoreline where um, we were at, directly where we were at. Then we moved over to Louisiana. The, what we had in Alabama connected to what we had. And as we were you know, hopping along back and forth along the Gulf, this current got bigger and bigger and actually created a huge vortex, a whirlpool. It was fascinating to watch this thing. I read recently that a whirlpool is a self-cleaning mechanism. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So we're, we're giving the water the information to become water. We, we had those samples that were up in Vancouver. We dropped those off in L.A. on our way down to another scientist who analyzed what happened to the water. And this was water that had a tar ball in it. Okay? He analyzes that. And it's salt and water. That's all that's left is salt and water. But I'm looking at a tar ball because it doesn't matter. It's, it's salt and water. You, whatever you're looking at, it's salt and water. Nancy, isn't this remarkable? It, it's a transmutation on the atomic level through frequency. Right. And that's exactly what John's done with these metal samples. It's the very question that I asked John. I said, if you can take an aluminum bar and turn it, turn it into something that's not aluminum... Can you take water that's no longer water and turn it back to water? And he goes, I don't know. Let's try. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about the experiences uh, near the creek? Oh, it just was amazing. That was Indian Creek. It was nicknamed <laughs> Creek because the sewer treatment plant was upstream and had. I was using the creek as, as an open sewer pipe, basically, into a federally protected estuary. And it was totally dead, the most horrendous smells you can imagine. We, John and I actually got sick there. John got sick with MRSA along on the Gulf. You know, there, we, had, we had to deal with our own, you know, health. People sick, literally dropping dead around us. So we're, we're in an absolutely extraordinarily beautiful area that was poisonous. 
uh, we had been working on the Gulf side. There's this little point that comes out where there's the, the bay, which is part of the Gulf of Mexico, and then the creek, the tidal creek that comes into it. And the owner had asked us to turn the equipment around and hit the creek. And we did more than just hit the creek. We put in underwater speakers. We drove PVC into the creek bed and speakers into that. Um, we had a whole system that ran along the creek. Um, it was amazing. The very first day after the first treatment, this vortex comes up in the creek, just spinning around the creek, all this muck. And we had our first bird come in, a great heron. And we had a, a great heron that would hang around the speakers all the time. And I was wondering if it was actually nesting there. Baby shrimp came in swarming around the underwater speakers. Shrimp were, ended up just jumping all over the place. We had minnows that came in at night, and actually they made patterns with their swimming that, that correlated to what we were seeing on our oscilloscopes. It got to be the point before we left where I thought that we had another big major slick come in. Um, we, we stayed at this place that was kind of perched up and we could see the creek. And it was late at night, and I went, oh, doggone it, you know, do we get another? Because we would get these slimy things that would come in, and then we'd have to do some other things and, and break the whole thing up. And I thought, oh, we've got another one that came in. I go down there with a flashlight. There were so many fish in the creek that they were bubbling on the top. Attracted it, to the frequency. Well, attracted to the frequencies, or was this water so pure and so full of oxygen? I mean, if you have a, uh, an aquarium, you can only put so many fish in that aquarium. You can't not have half fish and half water in that aquarium. The fish are going to die. Mm -hmm. This creek was half fish and half water. This is really an incredible experience, and uh, I, I'm glad you uh, relayed the story to the listeners. We are uh, coming up on the bottom of the hour, Nancy, and are you ready to take calls? Yep, sounds great. We're going to open the lines, and if you have a comment or question for Nancy Hutchison, call us at 212-209-2900. We'll be right back after this break. Pour the waters blow when they went so cold. Oh, the rivers flow so In other news, I'm Jeff Brady. Our guest is Nancy Hutchison, and we're speaking about uh, her experiences with her husband, John, who was a guest last week, their experiences in the Gulf of Mexico. And as uh, we've been listening, quite an underreported experience. Hi, Ed, you there? Yeah, hello. How you doing, Jeff? Good. Yeah, how you doing, Miss Hutchison? 
I'm well. How are you? I'm fine. I just had a couple of questions to ask you because, uh, I mean, if what you're saying is correct in, in, in your uh, experimentation, you're talking about alchemy. You're talking about the through wave oscillation, the actual change of physical matter from one form to another. And if you have done that, congratulations. That's absolutely fascinating. Just a, a couple of questions. Number one, how do you actually use an oscilloscope on water? Because I'm a technician. I work with oscilloscopes. I always thought that the device was used to read energy waves and oscillations off of working equipment. I've never actually used it on any uh, physical substance like water or... The Gowanus Canal? I've never actually used it on that. <laughs> a lot of things come out of the Gowanus Canal. But uh, number one. Number two, what were the exact wave frequencies that you used to, in effect, the change on the water in the Gulf? And, and what was the exact wave frequency of tap water and seawater that you used as a baseline? Okay, so in John's lab in New Westminster... Um, he had these uh, probes. Uh-huh. They're basically um, silver-plated tubes. Yeah. And we hooked up the oscilloscope probes to the tubes, and we set them up in a framework in uh, a vat that had the water in it. And so then we were able to register on the oscilloscope what normal water looked like. So you got an actual waveform of normal water on the oscilloscope. Yep. And what was the frequency? Um, what was the frequency? John, what was the frequency of the water? Do you know what we were set on the oscilloscope? Isn't this amazing? John is, is right there. Yeah. Uh, Ed, um, yeah. those are good questions. We need to, uh, it'd be important to find out exactly. Well, like I said, like I said last week, I, I met Mr. Hutchison many years ago. And, and and I'm familiar with some of his work at the time I was in the military. And and I, I believe he stumbled onto something, but the main problem that I have with, with his work, all respect due, there's no real documentation. It's all, a lot of it is just objective observation and after-the-fact evidence. Uh, and and I, really I just want to interrupt you for a minute there uh, and clarify that uh, specifically. John had given links uh, to us and the listeners of uh, where you can find uh, papers that were written up by scientists on his work. It's posted on, I think it's on NewYorkSkyWatch.com. Yes, yeah, so if you go to that, it's um, the, you can go down to the bottom uh, and you can see the links where uh, John Hutchison had... Uh, could I respond to that? Ed. Yes. I just I just wanna know how you get up first on these shows, but in fact I listened to your questions over and over again on the on the recording of the interview with John. Yes. <clears throat> um, I'm going to say to you what we said to everyone at BP at every state, local and federal agency. Yeah. Come on down. All right. I mean All right. I I'll make I'll try I mean, to. we have we had I'll um, come with you, Ed. <laughs> Come on down. And, in fact, um, I have done hundreds and hundreds of hours of high-definition video. And I am one of the biggest skeptics in the world. I didn't know who John Hutchison was when I was told I need to call him up and find out if we can get some of this crystal quartz stuff and do some crystal power cells. He, He doesn't have to prove anything. I mean... He does, and that's the way he is. He doesn't have to prove anything to anyone. 
if you if you want the proof, you are absolutely more than welcome to come and participate. And that is what we have said over and over again. And I've put out a lot of video on the Internet. I don't know if you've actually looked at it, Ed, but I suggest that you do. I've looked at some of it, and, you know, I have my doubts. Like, I am a skeptic. I've seen some things as far as dealing with the military, and I was involved in some projects that were quite fascinating. Some things I can talk about, some things I can't. But pertaining to consistency, that's what my thing is. If you, as far as science, as far as I'm concerned, if you can reproduce the results to a certain extent, that's your verification and that's your proof. And a lot of the stuff that you and your husband have done, it's, it's, it's not been reproduced. Why it hasn't been reproduced, I'm not sure. I think it can be reproduced, but I think some powers that be don't want it reproduced. Uh, and I would like to just get some more concrete things for myself. Ed, I, I actually want to just uh, respond to that a little bit. Um, this goes right back to the cold fusion issue with uh, Pons and Fleshman, yeah. and uh, what they needed to reproduce uh, was funding, and uh, that was the issue there with the Department of Energy. So it's not as easy as you might think, and I believe that that's one of the reasons John Hutchison has uh, sort of done his own thing and refused to be in a lab built by the Pentagon or be in a lab, you know, that was offered by NASA. He's doing his own thing. And when you are in that mode, then uh, you can move into uh, the science of uh, healing frequencies and things like that. Because I don't think the Pentagon would be into it. Actually, they are. Really? And they have used it. They've used it on Navy SEALs to heal tissue damage. Sure. And... And the Coast Guard for 50 go. years has yeah. hit diesel fuel with high frequencies when they dump it in the yep. ocean. And so this is known technology. And so to say, you know, John has to prove himself. No, I'm not, I'm not saying the that. Government, the government already knows this technology. The fact that they did not use it on the Gulf of Mexico speaks volumes as to what was the actual plan for the Gulf of Mexico. Do you, I have an email. That's a really good point, Nancy. I have an email from BP saying that they evaluated over 140,000 different ideas and suggestions to remediate that oil, and they had already predetermined to use the Corexic, which is highly toxic, yes. and to have our Coast Guard spray it on the shores and on the people. And I met people there sick with it, and they died. And there's some people dropping dead in front of us. In fact, um, Ed, if I may be so bold, I yes. imagine that you are African American. Yes. Okay. So you know, let's just get right down to it. At Panama City, which is on the Panhandle, it's still segregated there, and the black community there lives on the water. They live on the water. The Cajun people that we met in, in Louisiana lives on the water. Half of those people died. It was not reported. I'm aware of that. Okay? I'm, I'm aware of that, and I also. Believe me, I am no friend of the government, and I know a lot of things that they do are to for population control and directed at certain ethnic groups. But I, I'm just saying I wish we could get more of your work documented and out to the people so people can start to experiment themselves and see the potential behind There you go. Technology. Let's organize a road trip together. Let's do it this spring. We're driving out to Minnesota. Well, we'll probably be on the West Coast by then because that's where the worst radiation is. We'll, we'll meet you there. The okay. Rock and roll. Let's do it. Ed, thank you very much. We're going to go to another call. Hi, you're on the air. 
Good evening, folks. What a great show. Uh, this is Alan from Flushing calling in, and I, I'm, I'm listening, and I'm just learning so many new things. And uh, something popped in my head as I was listening to you talk about remediation, and that is, you know, there's a lot of concern by people, a lot of shows uh, in other news about geoengineering the skies and the uh, chemtrail programs. And I was wondering if you, Nancy, or John, ever considered um, doing something about that, seeing if there's a frequency that could be used to offset these negative effects that these uh, programs are having on us, uh, specifically perhaps even using orgone energy. Um, well, that's interesting. I, I do a tremendous amount of research into ancient documents, ancient religions, um, ancient systems and cultures. And a lot of folks don't realize that before Noah's flood, we all lived 800, 900 years. There wasn't rain as we know it. That the um, we were the entire Earth was was subtropical, and the mist would rise off of the ground, um, and everything would be basically watered from the bottom up. Gee, I'd like to see that um, come back. Yeah. I mean, it's about time scientists take an interest in, in um, these type of issues that uh, they could actually research and perhaps come up with a way to uh, counter the effects of what uh, the aluminum and all the other chemicals and, and perhaps the heart programs that are maneuvering the jet stream. Uh, I think we need scientists who could help mankind uh, and uh, not destroy it. You know, I think they have to go back to... The ancient knowledge. We are not the smartest group of people that in, in history. You know, history has much more technology and and much higher advanced or civilizations than what we have now. And if we can look for those clues, and that's where these sulfageal tones, the Gregorian chants, the soul chord, the stream of sound, which is from the Essenes. You know, this, this whole um, concept of the harmony and the symphony that we all play upon in order for matter to even congeal, in either, in, for matter to even exist, comes not from, from myself. It comes from old knowledge, well, way old knowledge. I also found the beginning of the conversation you had with Jeff uh, very interesting because I used to work with the crystals, quartz crystals and meditations and all, and I always felt that quartz crystals had a life force of their own. That They're not just rocks. They somehow communicate, and they, they do things that people wouldn't understand, and I thank you for talking about that. Well, you know, look at the, look at the, what, what is, what makes up quartz? You know, what are the, the atoms and the molecules of quartz in, in your own body? What in your own body is like that? Everything kind of mimics something else. And quartz is a sender and receiver of transmission. So is your body. Interesting. Well, Alan from Flushing, thank you very much for the call. Enjoy the show and uh, keep up the good work. You bet. Thank Thanks. you so much, everybody. Excellent. We're going to go to another call. Hi, you're on the air with Nancy Hutchison. Go ahead, caller. Yes. My name is Nino Slav. And uh, I remember in 1956 in Yugoslavia, I, went, I remember in a school we celebrated 100th 
birthday of Nikola Tesla. He was born in 1856, and he died in 1943, middle of the World War II. United States government confiscated all of his blueprints, and hundreds and hundreds of his blueprints. I know nothing about technical things, things like that, except I remember many years ago I read a book called Prodigal Genius by John O'Neill. I think this country should be ashamed because this man, Nikola Tesla, he done so much for this country and for the whole world. Uh, they should name every town in this country should have a street named after him. I agree with that. Uh, How much he did for the world. Yeah, I bet uh, you have uh, remarkable memories, uh, sir. I uh, don't, but because I, I don't know much about technical things. I'm, with me, everything is history and geography, sort of. A, mm. But uh, when you're Yugoslav, you're born with it, remembering that name. And yet he hardly left his hometown in 1870s, early 1880s. Went throughout Western Europe, wind up in the United States, but in 18, sometime in 1880s, and he never returned back home. And, and Nikola Tesla, from what I understand, um, said if you under if you study and understand nature, you understand everything, which is what the ancients have told us over and over and over again. You know, we need to forget everything that we've been taught. Everything. Everything you've been taught is wrong. Start there. Numbers are wrong. Language is wrong. Everything is wrong. And then look at what's been created. And when you, when you really, really look at what's been created, you're going to find inside of yourself the most marvelous creation there is. You have the potential inside of yourself to give to the world and to everyone else as much as Tesla did. You've just been programmed that you can't do it. The, in, the Germany sent, during World War II and prior to World War II, they sent spies and German scientists to get a hold of his prints, blueprints, how do you call them? And... Uh, and the United States government, when he died in January 1943, they showed that they get everything, 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 hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blueprints. He would go to the best hotels to eat, and he hardly ate anything. He would just draw on a tablecloth, white tablecloth. His ideas, his plans, all the time, every day. And the richest woman of New York used to come right in those places, hoping Tesla is going to 
had the eyes on them. He never got married. He had no time to get married. He, he, he wasn't interested in getting married. Oh, but I think he had his ladies. So I, I don't so know. According to what I read, book called Prodigal Genius. So what does that tell you? I think you should get out a piece of paper and start doodling. Yeah. I Just will, let I, it go. I'm going to buy the book. As soon as I can, maybe through Amazon or Barnes and Noble or something. Caller, thank you very much uh, for sharing those stories. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Nikola Tesla, we're going to go to another call. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, my name is Linda. Um, I have two kind of basic questions. Um, is there any connection, or what is the connection between... Someone who is um, very much using caffeine or having a lot of caffeine in them with being receptive to crystals or crystals' properties. And the second question is, what is the, the connection between, like, having crystals near, near your computer? I don't know. I have, I have organized that I actually picked out of a, a bunch of, of a pile that um, some friends of ours made, and mm-hmm. I, I felt it. So I, I, that's, that was mine. And when Jesse Ventura was here, I, I gave it to him, and I told him, when you can feel this, then you can come back. Oh, my God, that's great. Nancy, that's great, my God. Uh, caller, are yeah? you familiar with or- Orgone? Well, uh, if I'm correct, uh, the organite that Nancy is referring to may be the um, a crystal that is um, s- sort of uh, frozen in resin, and there's aluminum shavings in it. Many ways to make it, uh, but it's really a, a pressure on the piezoelectric energy that naturally comes out of the crystal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a lot of uh, healing effects and protects your computer and... Uh, protects lots of things from negative energy from the fourth dimension, I believe. Um, but that's just a real brief overview. We'll definitely get into Wilhelm Reich's work at some point, uh, but he's um, right there with Tesla in uh, how he was demonized by the U.S. government. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Hi, you're on the air with Nancy Hutchison. Great show, Mr. Brady. Great guest. You spoke about so many different topics. Uh, one, if I could ask a couple of questions. One is, uh, so have you ever seen a laser go through a diamond, which is supposedly the ultimate crystal? That's why it's very valuable. And you also mentioned before the flood of Noah uh, that people lived to 800, 900 years old. Are you absolutely, I mean, it's hard to be absolutely sure, but you said that with such confidence. I mean, I'd like to believe that, but with the amount of DNA that is on our planet, it would seem that there's no way an ark could house all the life and then for the thousands of years all of that diversity that we see in the planet. And then that gets into the third thing you said about ancient peoples. Did ancient peoples in Atlantis abuse their power? Like we had another gland, we had uh, more telepathy and, and um, just powers that, you know, and even still to this day, how were the pyramids created? How the precision, the interior... What, uh, you know, like what you said about ancient cultures, could you believe that this is an ancient alien 
race and even the way our DNA was created. Um, there's a show, Ancient Aliens, on the History Channel that delves into this. So I'd like your response. Uh, well, with the, um, there's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of information. Um, every one of our cultures across the globe talks about uh, some type of entities, gods, beings coming from the heavens and doing some procreation with women. Um, and uh, we, the, the Bible that we have is not the... Uh, actual correct text. It was taken by Constantine about, uh, was it, 300, 360 um, A.D., and Rome was falling. The original church uh, was actually known as the Yahoos because the guy's name wasn't Jesus, it was Yahushua. And so the J letter didn't even exist until about the 15th, 16th century. Um, there's so much um, misinformation that we have been fed as truth uh, because we're told, you know, this is God's word. Well, some of the most intelligent people I know believe that and um, won't even research to see, you know, what they're being presented is true or not or, you know, what, what has actually um, been removed or adulterated. Um, Part of what has been removed is the books of Enoch. Enoch is real known by um, the Hebrew people, and Enoch talks about the Watchers, and the Watchers being um, a group of angels. So now you have to figure out what the word angels means that, that uh, decided that the women were real nice and juicy here on Earth, and they're going to you know, have some, some children with them. And the Watchers became the giants. It's speculated that Goliath was one of the giants, and uh, the giants in the land. And they began with eating of meat, which wasn't original for humans, and that uh, progressed into the eating of humans. And so they were, they were in a, a bit of a, a fright there, and Enoch is doing his petition to God saying, uh, can we get a little help here? And it's, it's really fascinating. Um, the chamber that he goes into, when I, I read that passage to John, he goes, oh, that's a crystal chamber. You know, and, and all the, the descriptions of what was going on, John was like, oh, yeah, and that's this and that's this. You know, this is, that's high voltage or that's, you know, <laughs> that was created by blah, blah, blah. That would, that's what would happen if you're in a crystal chamber. So um, there are also many gods in the Bible. I don't know if Enoch was actually communicating with the, the creator, the source, or the Elohim, which are another group um, of created beings that we've uh, identified as God, but they are the one that created all of it. So it's, uh, it's just, it, when you go back into all the different histories, we had a different um, earth here. To go back into the history of the native Alaskans, they didn't wear clothes. And all of a sudden, it got cold, and most of them died. Well, uh, Cutler, uh, I hope that answers well, some no, of no, no. Well, 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 well there's a first, first of all, did you ever see a, a uh, laser go through a crystal? And just in terms of, of course, the Bible, these could have been the angels. What you talk about could be aliens, and this could be even Enoch. Did he mention a crystal ship? Is that mentioned in the Bible? 
I know Jim Morrison mocks that uh, a crystal ship is being filled, you know, a thousand girls, a thousand thrills. I know you're a music fan, Mr. Brady, so I figured I'd throw that in. The doors. Yeah, but um, a crystal, did you ever see a laser go through a crystal, uh, a diamond specifically? Um, no, but we did experiment with high voltage and um, one of the quartz crystals. And right. I captured on that something that John said only one other person has ever videotaped that he knows of. And it was like a, an aura, a force field coming out from the crystal. It's quite interesting. And actually, right. and it, I've been able to catch it here, um, this, this, this round um, aura field, whatever you want to call it, around the equipment, which are vacuum tube um, signal generators and RF generators. There's a whole another fascinating place to go is in the vacuum tubes. Right, and a crystal watch, uh, a quartz watch, can actually be powered just from the quartz itself, so it has to harbor some type of electromagnetic uh, So can energy. you. But so can you. You can actually collect energy and uh, project it out of your hands, out of your feet. That's the meditation, and yet that's why there was depictions of people with auras, that they would actually have so much electricity or electrical energy. And uh, even just the Shroud of Turin, you know, the pyramids, there's some evidence. I mean, how did they ever possibly have that kind of technology? Even the technology to create DNA, it's so profound that there has to be some type of God or creative force. Uh, well, I think there's a God creative force, how... but, but I think I it's the opposite of what everyone is talking about. I think, I think we're it. I think humans win. And I think that we are the conduit. The, the, when you look at matter, it's, it's not possible for matter to exist, okay? Everything that you've been taught is wrong. Just look at matter. It's mostly, vastly empty space. What actually brings this three-dimension into being? Okay? Start with that. And then we have thought processes, we can, we can look at energy in our brain waves and say, okay, so when that energy is not you know, operating in your brain, you're dead. So there is some type of form of energy that operates within this mass of matter, this body, that has to have a certain amount of chemistry and a, you know, all these, these absolutely perfected balances in it for even for me to get out of this chair and walk. So how did that start? When, when, when did that originate, and how did that ever originate? I mean, it's so profound. Well, it's very profound, and that's the one I want to hook up with. Not the Elohim, not the Jehovah, not the, not the Anunnaki's, not the, you know, all the other freaked-out giants in the sky. You know, they're just created beings as well. The, the one that actually got this whole thing together... See, this, and this is where my narcissism comes in, and it's very handy, is that um, I have to be right. I have to be right that I have a connection. You have a connection. Everyone here that has that spark of the spirit, you can see it in their eye. You, everyone that has that has this connection to the source that holds this whole thing together. And we, are, and we have been repeatedly... Um, brought down 
and then something happens, like the veil is ripped. I mean, that's just a biblical saying when the guy called Jesus, it's not his real name, you know, oh, this, it's done, the veil gets ripped in the temple. It's, it's a metaphor that all of a sudden it's open, and we can see who we are. And once we see who we are, we can move into that. And I think that's where those advances with the Egyptians and the, the pyramids in Peru and in all these other, Atlantis, blah, 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 blah. And then it stops because something makes it so we can't see anymore. Then we, like the, the Tower of Babylon, you know, just, just go the opposite of, of what you're told in the Bible that that this big tower was going to the heavens and they're going to be like gods, and that was so terrible. Why is that so terrible? Why is that? Unless me, the, the overseers, the Elohim or the Anunnaki or whoever it was, didn't like it that we were advancing and we were becoming. Nancy, they, they had to scatter us. I have to uh, step in for a minute. Uh, caller, you've asked really fascinating questions. We Thank really you. appreciate That's it. That's like 9-11, though, the Tower of Babel. You know, I do think of that. We reached we can't, the can't. Caller, yeah. I appreciate okay. it. we got to go. No, you got to wrap it up. Yep. I know. It's one minute to ten. Thank you very much. Okay. You did a great job. Great job. Thank you, so. caller. Um Nancy Hutchison, I really uh, want to thank you for being on the show. And we have a few calls on the line. Uh, if you have a specific question for Nancy, um, we're not going to get to you, but uh, send me an email at inothernewsradio at yahoo.com, and I'll forward uh, the email to uh, Nancy and John. Um, Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show. And let's all become who we are. Excellent. Have a great night. Good night. That's going to do it for In Other News. See you next week, Monday, 10 p.m. I believe it's a fundraiser. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, interview Ross Hamilton in the future on his book, A Tradition of Giants. People starving, baby. And the dollar bill's getting smaller by the day. Yes, we must keep on moving.